Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Susan Wingate. I am the host of Dialogue Between the Lines. And um, as everybody can see, I have featured author David Morrell of Rambo fame um, joining me this morning. And I am going to cut all of that pre-show, pre-guest stuff out, and we're going to start talking right away to um, Mr. David Morrell, who is in the studio right now. Thank you so much for joining me, David. I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Oh, I'm, I'm always happy to. I love radio. I, I think of this as a kind of radio. When I was uh, very young in, in college, I, did, uh, I trained in a way to be on radio, and I even had a little half uh, people who ran a half-hour musical jazz show. They used to... If they couldn't uh, do it themselves, they asked me to c- come in and be the moderator. And anyway, I I like radio a lot. I love radio. Um, if you recall, the last time you were on, uh, Joshua Graham was doing it with me, but he he had some family um, uh, responsibilities. He was homeschooling his kids, so it just got too much. And so um, now, uh, do you remember Joshua Graham? I do. He's a doll. And he, anyway, he's, as I recall, just, he had a new novel coming out. I'm trying to remember. I like the title. I can't remember what it was. I think it, that one was Beyond Justice or The Fuhrer's Daughter, one of the two. But Beyond Justice has been has done remarkably well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice title. Yeah, but, yeah. Now, um, one thing that I did want to uh, talk about you have you have um, so much that you do. Um, and like we talked on the, just a little bit on the pre-show, you're very involved with the writing community, which is a wonderful boon for uh, emerging writers and also established writers just to be able to tap into your knowledge. Um, you, were a, 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 you were a Ph.D., correct? Um, you taught. Um, yeah, I did. I did not teach yeah. writing. I, I, I have a doctorate. It sounds always funny. The, the creator of Rambo has a doctorate in American literature, and um, uh, the, uh, the, my degree is from Penn State. I did not teach writing at the University of Iowa, where I was a professor. I taught in the English department. I taught uh, Edith Wharton and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway and William Faulkner and uh, folks like that. And uh, I did that for 16 years, and then uh, because I I try not to out, uh, stay my welcome, I I got to a point where I thought I'd done that as well as I could, and I should uh, maybe uh, concentrate full time on writing. So in 1986, I um, one of the few uh, the people look at me aghast. I had uh, a full professorship, and of course the tenure that goes with it, and. I uh, walked away from it, uh, which uh, stuns a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's a a very esteemed position to be a tenured professor. Um, But but the very first novel, okay, so you you learned, you you give credit to Philip Young, who you you studied under, but then also William Tenn, who... um, you state that taught you the basics of fiction writing, yes, and that exactly. and and that came. First Blood was your first novel. 
it was my first novel. The uh, I had I was raised in Canada. Uh, I'm I have dual citizenship, Canadian and now American citizenship. And I I was raised in a town near Toronto called Kitchener Waterloo, and uh, got my BA there and read a book uh, by uh, Philip Young about uh, the first book that was published about Hemingway, and uh, Young wrote so well. Uh, uh, it's almost uh, it's almost uh, impossible to imagine. Uh, uh, most professors don't write um, evocatively, and but Young, oh my heavens, he wrote beautifully. And I said to my wife, who was then pregnant with, uh, and she was a, a teacher of history in a high school, and I said, I've got this great idea after. <laughs> After the baby comes, why don't you quit your job and we're going to go to the United States and I will study with Philip Young. And uh, my wife said, hey, you know, I can be poor there as much as I can be poor here. So we packed everything into the car and uh, a Volkswagen Beetle that we had and and went to the United States where um, I studied not only with Philip Young, but I became his and Young was a, a well-known Hemingway expert at the time, and I not only uh, be studied with him, but I became his graduate assistant. And after his wife died, uh, my wife, uh, Donna, uh, became uh, the a person who took care of Young's house. And so every night I got to eat with uh, Donna, and I ate with Philip Young. And it was one of the most uh, glorious uh, graduate school experiences anybody can imagine. And while I was at Penn State, another Philip, whose name was Philip Class, who under the name of William Ten uh, was a noted science fiction writer and who'd been hired by Penn State to uh, teach in their teach basically uh, uh, manage their writing program, and he and I hit it off, and he agreed to help me. Uh, I'd always wanted to be a writer. Well, I shouldn't say always, from when I was 17. And um, so he helped me in many, many hours of theory and a lot of work with uh, hands-on nuts and bolts stuff. And, and out of that, in 1968, so long ago, I started First Blood in response to the numerous riots that occurred in the United States that year, hundreds of them, in response to the Vietnam War, to the uh, riot, the police riot at the Democratic Convention in Chicago, and in response to the assassinations of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy. All of that happened in the same year. Uh, and I wrote a novel, First Blood, started it with the idea of sort of having the Vietnam War come home and uh, take place in a small community. Uh, I couldn't do it big, but I could do it small. And, and so that was basically how, it, how all that started. Wow. And, and what a time that was. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm remembering all of the turmoil at that time. And, uh, of course, everybody knows that First Blood was the uh, novel it, uh, that prompted the Rambo series. Um, but so you... you touched on um, how you you uh, became a writer, how you decided you wanted to write, um, and you attribute that to the the series Route 66, which happens to be, I, when I read this, I just smiled, because I used to watch that, too, um, uh, and, and would you please tell our listeners what, what, what about, first off, about Route 66, and also the uh, screenwriter. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I just—it's one of my joys to be able to talk about oh, what amounted to a conversion. Um, uh, I, I was a very troubled youth. I had been uh, with street gangs. I had um, uh, my father had died in combat. My mother couldn't uh, support me and and herself and take care of me and work, so she put me in an orphanage and. She remarried, and but he didn't. The stepfather didn't like uh, kids, and they fought, and I slept under the bed, and it was just awful. Um, oh. And um, I was watching about. I was very troubled to the point that I was watching like ten hours of television a night, and then so much uh, so that the the principal principal of my high school called me into his office and told me I'd never amount to a thing if I didn't stop watching television. <laughs> but what <laughs> happened is that, I mean, it's very funny because television saved my life. Uh, this show called Route 66, which was about two young men, two restless young men, who travel across the United States in a Corvette convertible. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the log line for the series was they were in search of America and in search of themselves. Uh, and the show, among other things, uh, is distinct because it filmed entirely on location where these two young men supposedly were traveling. And very seldom were they actually on Route 66, the mother highway. Uh, most of the time they were all over the place. And um, they boxed the country, really. They, uh, the series traveled down to the Gulf Coast, moved along it into New Mexico and Arizona and California, and then moved north into um, um, Oregon and Washington State, and then east through Montana, et cetera. And then in another season, they went through the middle of the country. And, and, and the technical uh, things about the show, I mean, just imagine traveling with two huge transport trailer trucks with everything in it that you needed to make a 35-millimeter program. Uh, no studios ever. Uh, and uh, the, the score was uh, composed by the great uh, arranger-composer Nelson Riddle, who had um, uh, remade Sinatra's career uh, after Sinatra divorced his uh, first wife. And uh, there, uh, there were many, many things to admire about the program, but what I most admired were the scripts, and that's very odd for a 17-year-old to zero in on the writing rather than the actors, Marty Milner and George Maharis, um, or, you know, maybe the directors. A lot of Robert Altman did one, Sam Peckinpah did one, they had a, uh, Arthur Hiller, uh, did many, um, and uh, but it was the scripts which were a combination of a lot of action. It was not a genre show, that was, but they all they were always getting in fights or they they were you know stuff was happening that had a lot of action in it, uh, skiing or or uh, racing uh, boats or things like that, uh, and 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 the action combined with a tremendous amount of philosophy. I mean, often overt. They, they would talk about Heidegger and Salt, Sartre. And, and Kierkegaard, and I mean, what show does that? Uh, so this combination of action and philosophy really, really appealed to me, and I realized that they, most of the scripts were written by the same man who had a very unusual name, Sterling Siliphant, and uh, so, you know, easy to notice, and uh, one day I decided I wanted to be Sterling, so I went to my local library, 
the start of my love affair with librarians and asked the librarian there, uh, I don't suppose you can get me the address for Screen Gems, which was the company that uh, made the show. And the, the librarian just grinned at me and came back with a piece of paper with the address. <laughs> I, to me, this is still magic. Uh, and uh, I wrote to Sterling. Uh, I used his first name because we became very good friends in time. And, um, and he wrote back a week later two uh, pages of a letter, single-spaced, uh, to <clears throat> basically get, uh, tell me that if I was meant to be a writer, I would keep writing. And uh, that's what I did. And um, so it was, uh, I can't, um, because my father died, uh, the, the, and I had kind of what I call an evil stepfather, um, but uh, people like Philip Young and Philip Klass and Sterling Silifant became my metaphoric fathers, and I could not have had any degree of success without uh, those three and the encouragement they gave me. Oh, my goodness. I so hope that you still have that letter. Um, I do. Of... No, it's framed right oh. next to my desk. I had to do. I had to be fancy about it because it was. Uh, he he turned the page over and typed on the on the back of it. So I had to frame it in such a way that there was glass in front and in back. Uh, but oh, yeah, boy. no, it sits next to my desk. I look at it every day. Oh, that is fabulous. That is a, a wonderful story. Um, and and then you also. Um, I would, I just want to get to this. This is such interesting content to me about your life. It's just so intriguing. It's just um, so inspirational for uh, other authors to uh, listen to and to hear and to um, learn from that. And, again, the writing, you know, if you're going to write, write every day um, right. is always something. And I know, like I said um, before, that you're very um, – you're so helpful to other authors and you're so accessible, which is – just a real gem for uh, the writing community. Um, you are, tell us, tell everybody what you told me about where you've been, and then I want to talk about where you're going. You're doing something um, spectacular with the uh, Southwest writers, and I w- would like to talk about that, too. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and, you know, just to back up, um, these days uh, virtually uh, every state has a writer's group, and uh, there are writers' conferences aplenty. Um, but uh, 20 years ago, uh, there were not. And certainly, when I started in the late 60s, through the 70s, through the 80s, you had to look far and wide to find a group of writers that you wanted to hang out with. Uh, and these uh, writers' organizations and the Horror Writers Association, the uh, International Thriller Writers, which I co-founded, uh, and many, many other writers' organizations, and the conferences. Uh, I mean, what a boon for writers compared to what I had. To, I, I had to, you know, find my own guidance, and a lot of it I had to teach myself. Um, so, uh, because Philip Young and Philip Class and Sterling uh, were so kind to me, I just feel I have a moral obligation to do what they did. Uh, so anyway, where was I? Uh, and I'm exhausted. I, uh, 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 two weeks ago, I was in Bo- I was in BoucherCon, which is the world's um, largest convention for readers and authors of crime fiction. 
And the year before that, they had given me their, uh, like 1,700 people usually attend. It's huge. Um, and uh, the year before, I'd received, uh, I'm still, uh, still thrilled about it, uh, I'd received their Lifetime Achievement Award. And uh, so naturally, I, uh, you know, I wasn't going to miss the next one. And so I, I was in Toronto for that. And then uh, I got home, and two days later, I set out for the Florida Writers Association Yearly Conference, uh, where, um, I don't know, I, they, they, I, sometimes I wonder about my sanity. I, I was asked to do an all-day uh, workshop, and not hands-on, but talking, you know, lecturing in a sense. And so I, for, from 9 till 12 and 1 to 4, uh, there I was in front of uh, all these people uh, talking. Uh, it's like an athletic event, you know. You, we'll see if David will fall over by 3:30. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I stuck it out till four o'clock, and then I, the next day, I did some things as well. And and uh, finally, I got home from all this traveling, and I'm still. It's Wednesday now, and I'm still trying to figure out what part of the country I'm in. And and uh, it's it's a lot of work pushing pushing that air for that long. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. And yes, uh, this coming Saturday because I can't get enough of it. Uh, I am I will be in Albuquerque which I I live in Santa Fe so Albuquerque is relatively close about an hour's drive and I will be part of a six member faculty that's giving a how to write a novel day um at the Southwest Writers uh organization and I'm going to kick it off um, by talking about how to find your story, and I'll talk from 9 until 10. And then uh, uh, also in this area, a uh, week from there, on November 4, they're going to show First Blood, uh, the movie, for the, for the first time in eons on the big screen at a local okay. theater, and I'm going I'm to introduce it and answer questions afterward. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, it's a wonderful film. Uh, not quite my novel. It's different from the novel. Um, different train tracks, so to speak, with the same plot. And uh, I, but I, you know, I really I enjoy the film and I like talking about it. Oh, I'm sure. And it it is such a good movie. I remember when I first saw it. You know, that was way back in the day, and I just loved it and everything that came afterward. Um, and Sylvester Stallone is such a good actor. But as it turns out. He's an incredible writer too. Didn't he write the the, uh, the the they were made into movies the um last two they were the Rocky uh uh movies the last two um but he wrote the novels of those I uh, believe if I'm not No no the uh, Rocky was a screenplay that he um, Right. Uh, right but the, the last famous... two novels the last two movies the latest ones that he Well no uh, that, well Creed Creed oh. was based on somebody's screenplay. No, um, there may have been novelizations, but I don't recall that they were uh, novels. And, uh, you know, what happens often with Sly is that he'll um, be uh, 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 the third writer on it because he knows what works for him and what doesn't. And if he's starring in the film, often he can bring uh, some things to it. I'll give you one example um, that's in one of the later Rocky movies and in the most recent one, Creed, and he 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 told me about this once. He he and I were talking about screenwriting and 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 the, you know the, how to establish visually what um, you you don't want to do with the dialogue because after all it's a movie. Uh, and the, the 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 challenge he said in a scene where he goes to Rocky goes to visit his uh, the grave of his wife, 
and uh, and so how do you establish? He said uh, he queried uh, that um, uh, that Rocky has been going there a lot. So a mm-hmm. standard screenwriter would have Rocky walking toward the grave, and a groundskeeper saying, "Oh, hey, Rocky, here again today." You know that yeah. kind of thing. Pretty pretty obvious. Um, but what Sly, you know, Sly said he thought and thought and thought, and then he realized, hey, this would be cool. So he has a tree that's up in the branch. I'm sorry, a, a folding chair that's up in the branches of a tree. And all we need to do is have Rocky show up. He reaches up in the tree, pulls down the folding chair, he sits on it, and you know, starts to talk to his dead wife. And that says volumes about mm-hmm. how often he gets there. Very clever. So um, yeah, he's um, uh, he's a uh, uh, an extremely visual uh, person, which is what movie people should be. And about the acting, um, I know there's always this debate about some people say he's a good actor, some don't feel that way. But it, he he speaks as he does because when he was a ch- uh, delivered, there was a forcep issue and there's a nerve in his face that was damaged. Um, but he's extremely smart, uh, extremely funny, uh, and uh, I um, am reminded of my, a couple of conversations I had with Richard Crenna, who plays Colonel Sam Troutman in the films. And Richard was a wonderful guy. He's no longer with us, um, but he was a wonderful man, very gentle man. And uh, we were talking one day about movie acting, and he said, and he'd had a long career, and uh, he said the only two actors he worked with, the stars that he worked with, who, who knew what to do in front of a camera as opposed to acting, who knew how to use their eyes and knew how to use props and be visual in front of a camera, were Steve McQueen, with whom Richard had worked in The Sand Pebbles, and, um, and, and Sylvester. And uh, Sylvester's eyes are one of the, you know, one of the amazing film um, achievements. Oh, well, he's... He, you know, when I heard that he had written, uh, I, I assumed once I heard that he had written uh, uh, Creed that it was the entire uh, thing. What I really like about that is what he chose to do with the um, the the chair is it, it was not trite. It wasn't expected, um, but it, it yeah. like you said, volumes. Well, in the end, you know, I was expecting the whole, you know, dun da 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 you know, with his arms in the right. air, and they did not do that. What they did yeah. was remarkable and sensitive and intimate. Yeah. You felt like, I just glimpsed into this, this man's life, you know, instead of, um, you know, success and flags and, you know, stars bursting in air. It was just such a well-thought-out movie, and I yes. just really enjoyed it. But, um, but that's how... Your novels are there. Your your opening to uh, First Blood is spectacular. It sets the conflict right away. I mean, immediately. Um, and of course, you you've written so many other novels. It's ridiculous. I mean, and let me let wow. me tell people that are listening your your website because they have to appreciate how much you write so that they can understand what they need to do to make it in this industry. Um, you can find David Morell at davidmorell.net. And, of course, that's two R's and two L's. Um, and it's net, but not com. Net, there's a, there's not a photographer com. with my name that has the com. 
Uh, yeah. So he yeah. can he can have that, but I I think of it like the network of readers or or what have you. Yeah, uh, people often I mean uh, talk you know that it's they seem amazed at the amount I've written, but this is my forty fifth year. Um, if I didn't have uh, uh, you know a body of work, I mean what have I been doing? And you know my goal, and I learned this uh, from Sterling. Uh, Silifant is you, you write five pages a day, and these are readable pages, which will need many, many revisions, but at least you have the five pages. And by a system of accretion uh, over 45 years, that's, that's a lot of pages. Um, and uh, so um, I think I've written 30 novels and I've, a couple of books of nonfiction. Uh, one is a writing book called The Successful Novelist, a lifetime of writing about a lifetime of lessons about writing and publishing, and uh, a couple of other uh, nonfiction books, and uh, lots of essays, and oh, you know, I've been I've been working. Yeah, it, it, and it, it shows, and um, and it's so great. And again, I just have to say, I'm just so uh, thankful for you and other writers at your level that you uh, that you and several other authors at your level are so approachable and so committed to the writing community. It's uh, incredible. Um, I just really tell people if you've got someone like David Morrell showing up at a writer's conference, you go to that writer's conference and you learn from that person. Um, I love to teach and, uh, and, but I always, always, uh, and more so love to learn um, Mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm, you know, it, it, you can always learn something. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if not, then we're all then we're dead. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's the, the the opportunity that each day brings. That's always been uh, my uh, my view that uh, it every day I'm trying to f- find a way to be fuller by the end of the by the end of the day. I am constantly buying. Um, I'm going to buy uh, the successful novelist because I love reading about writing. Um, and I love reading fiction. Uh, I yeah. read mostly fiction. That's why the whole dialogue is committed to the fiction author. And um, uh, well, William William Goldman had written uh, a book, about, the best book I know about screenwriting, called uh, um, Adventures in the Screen Trade. Uh, it's just a wonderful book, and I, he has a, a really, really engaging. Um, personal tone, and when I set out to write uh, the successful novelist, it's the second edition of an earlier book called Lessons from a Lifetime of Writing, and when I set out, my goal was to write it in such a way that people felt that I was speaking uh, directly to them, and and uh, it was a lot of fun to write because it allowed me to be very humorous and you know tell a lot of stories well at the same time. Um, trying to both to motivate writers and also to teach them uh, nuts and bolts. Yeah, and you again, you will be in Albuquerque in just a few days. And I've actually been to Albuquerque. I'm from Phoenix uh-huh. originally. We we did a road trip. My dad took us on a road trip to Albuquerque where I purchased a. Well, they did for me. I didn't purchase anything uh-huh. at the time, but uh, uh-huh. they they bought me a monkey uh, piggy bank with uh, wireframe glasses. And I love that monkey. Anyway, that's yeah. my story about Albuquerque. And Albuquerque has these <laughs> towering mountains on the outside. Everybody Beautiful thinks that New Mexico is like Arizona, and, and, and Arizona does have some mountains. 
but mm-hmm. uh, New Mexico has tons of them. And uh, outside Albuquerque, it's like you can't miss them. They just rise like a wall. Um, and um, one of Kirk Douglas's favorite films, uh, Lonely Are the Brave, was filmed there up in those mountains. So it's uh, it's been a good movie town. Santa Fe's been a good movie town, too. A lot of films made here. And so you will be at, and that again is the Southwest Writers um, a Conference, and uh, your topic will be What's Your Story? Uh, and yeah, that's October 20th. How to, how to find your story. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of mantras. Uh, one mantra is be a first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of another author. Uh, Philip Klass uh, was very, very insistent that the people who had long careers with people who, who had distinct personalities to their work and couldn't be mistaken for anybody else. I mean, if you look at, you know, like my espionage novel, The Brotherhood of the Rose, um, it's, you know, it's so clearly identified with the kind of thing that I've been writing that uh, you, you know, a, a person might recognize it as such without even seeing my name on the on the title. And uh, so it's a powerful mantra, be a first-rate version of yourself, not a second-rate version of another author. And uh, my other mantra is don't chase the market, you'll always see its backside. Oh, wow. What words of amazing wisdom. That's beautiful. I love that, too. Oh, yeah. And and you see so many people doing that, and it's it's kind of sad. Yes. Well, uh, say that again. I love that because you know I mean this has been a trend the last two decades been trendy. Uh, three thriller authors made a huge difference, and uh, one was uh, Dan Brown in 2003 with Da Vinci Code, and look at all the imitators that produced. Uh, but none of them has careers uh, to speak of compared to Dan Brown. And then uh, 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 I think in 2009, the um, might have been a little earlier, the girl with the dragon tattoo uh, was published and, and created another furor and uh, lots of imitators. And then in 2012, Gillian Flynn's um, Gone Girl. And now we're overwhelmed, just overwhelmed, by unreliable first-person narrators, and I just have I pity authors who say, "Oh, now I know how to be a success." And uh, authors and agents, I, sp- I mean, agents and editors I speak with, are you know all they're getting is unreliable first-person narrators, and they're sick of it. Uh, so um, you know, it's not uh, uh, the, it's a genre called the person. It's a subgenre called the the person closest to you is your worst enemy. Uh, is the is the way it's generally described, and uh, you know, if you want a career, stay away from it because it's you know, it, uh, you have to establish your own uh, type of book that other people would imitate. Right, and there are so many imitators right now with all the the girl in the title. There's all yeah, this exactly. girl with the oh, and it gets a little logy to me. I get a little tired of of seeing another exactly. title with that, but. But you're right, um, and I love that. I would repeat that again. That 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 word of wisdom. Don't chase other. Oh no, there are two of them. Don't be a first-rate version of yourself, and right. not a second-rate version of another author. And don't chase the market. You'll always see its backside. That's brilliant. I love that. And on those two words of wisdom, I'm going to let you go. You have been so generous with your time. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you come yeah. back again. It, it, been a pleasure talking with well, you. Well, you know, I enjoy it. And, you know, just uh, uh, one further thought. Uh, my sure. career has been, you know, I based my career on, on that 
sort of logic so that uh, I did certain, I've, I've always written action and suspense, but I've written them in different ways. Uh, I wrote, I started writing outdoor action with uh, First Blood. I did uh, espionage with the Brotherhood of the Rose and um, non-supernatural horror with Creepers. And lately, um, it, it's been an adventure to write Victorian mystery thrillers, a, a trio of books called Murder is a Fine Art, Inspector of the Dead, and Ruler of the Night, which were a seven-year project. And the whole idea of it, I've just researched, researched, researched in an effort to make people believe they are truly in 1850s London. And it's been just a, just a joy to have uh, been transporting myself back to uh, Victorian England. And I mention all this because um, I've reinvented myself several times, uh, based upon, not cynically, but because my personality in a way changed, and I, and I had different interests and wanted to pursue them, and the idea is that people should write what is, they're passionate about, not what they think they will sell. Which goes to the don't chase the market, you will always see right, its backside. Right, you will always see its backside, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that, that final sure. word. And, and um, oh, this has been such a pleasure for me. Thank you so much. Oh, and well, thank you. Yeah, I, it was fun. I, it was fun for me. It was more fun for me, I bet. <laughs> and no, you I, I enjoy talking about this. Oh, I'm so glad. And we're so lucky to have you. So um, thank you very much, and uh, sure. I hope you come back soon. Oh, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out uh, for another time. So uh, have a wonderful. good day. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Right on. Bye-bye. Again, everybody, that was um, David Morrell of First Blood. But, again, like I said, go to his website. It is just incredible. He has so many um, novels out and so many. And, and like he said, they, it crosses genres, which is really wonderful to see because um, the, uh, the books go from, of course, the uh, Rambo series, but he's got – Testament and Last Reveal and the uh, Totem, Blood Oath, uh, the Fifth Profession. I mean, it goes on and on and on. If you go to his, uh, like I said, davidmorell.net forward slash books, you can find all of his many, many um, books. Um, some are, uh, most are fiction, some are nonfiction. Um, I, what is intriguing is also he has his uh, two uh, his memoir, Fireflies, which is a touching um, depiction of the loss of his son. So please check out David Morrell again. What a pleasure for me to have David Morrell on the show. And everybody, you can find my books at SusanWingate.com. And um, in particular, uh, The Deer Effect, which has won its sixth award this year and um, is just continuing to impress me daily by um, – how well people are receiving that. So um, thank you, everybody, for reading that book and for all of the um, the contests and book awards that have decided that it was worthy of their um, consideration. I appreciate that. And until next week, oh, my goodness, this is Dialogue Between the Lines, and I'm Susan Wingate, your host.